Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Front Lounge with Congos. Um, we have a very special guest today. His name is Eddie Elliott, and if you've watched our documentary series called Basco, you will definitely recognize his voice. He's the narrator, but really he's a good friend we've known for a very long time, an amazing singer and songwriter, and um, just all-around good dude. His voice kind of embodies everything about him, I think, you know, and it's one of the reasons we asked him to do the voiceover. But anyway, Eddie, how you doing? Good to see you, man. Doing well, doing well. Back in the, back in the roots, D.C., yeah, so you grew up here, and we're recording this in the, in the back of the bus in uh, Washington, D.C. We have a show here tonight, and you're from here, right? Your family's from here? Or? Yes, so like my early days, grew up in uh, this area, more Maryland, just outside, uh, first, the first 25 years. Can you do a Maryland accent? That's one of the weirdest sure. accents. we can do this. Um, okay, on. Now look, uh, we're going to go down and get some crabs tonight down at the... Uh, <laughs> Down the ocean, and uh, we're gonna have a good time. Go see Congress. Yeah, it's a weird accent, right? It's, it's East Coast, but it's Southern. It's nasty. We're, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a weird blend. Not pretty, no. Yeah. And it kind of runs from Eastern Shore, kind of gets up into Baltimore, Delaware, and Philly, kinda. Yeah, that whole there's a very similar Baltimore. similar <laughs> thing going on. Yeah. Well, so. Um, Eddie and I have known each other. Well, you've known the whole family, really, for a very long time. You lived in Arizona when we were there. And um, I'll just briefly explain my side of the story, how we met. <laughs> so my now wife was working at a restaurant with your now wife um, in Phoenix. And so I think she invited us to a party, and we ended up at your place. And a bunch of people there. It was maybe one of your friends, Simeon. Was Simeon doing a show or something you like know, that? I or? think Sim was singing, and then there was um, my buddy Bob. Remember he did the uh, Katrina video? Um, Is that true? I remember Bob. Bob was he, yeah, but did he do did he spoken word or something like that? Or? I think he, sh- he showed footage of Katrina. Oh. And I think that was like the video portion of the night. And then I think Sim played. Or vice versa. Right, yeah. So it was it was kind of like a house concert slash party. And this guy, Simeon from San Diego, Simeon Flick is a good songwriter. He, uh-huh. he performed. We all sat and watched and then had a party. And then at the end of the night, I don't, I don't, I'd like maybe met you briefly. At the end of the night, we were saying goodbye to everybody. And behind me, I hear this booming voice and a guitar. It sounded like it was on a massive sound system. It was just so rich. And I turned around, it was just you sitting on a couch playing guitar and singing. And I was like, <laughs> at that point, I kind of, you know, uh, it's not that I looked at you differently, you but basically me. I fell you in love. Yeah. <laughs> so this kid's going to Hollywood. <laughs> so we, be- history. we became good friends, uh, you, you know, got to know the whole family and, um, so that's that's where we're at. But Eddie, actually, I checked on iTunes on uh, um, Apple Music. Only one of your albums is up there. You should get on that. You go. You know, I, I actually years ago I tried to switch all my stuff from like the CD baby over and just let everything be free. And back when you were saying that nobody buys music anymore, <laughs> about ten years ago, and I was like, "What are you talking about? What what about all these CDs I have at the house?" Um, so. Uh, Hey, look, we, well, we, I wanted to bring this up early on because Eddie had this idea. About 10 years ago, he came to us and he's like, if you could just get, you know, a thousand people to be paying you like a dollar, dollar fifty, two dollars a month, 
you know, you'd have a, a real business model. You could start to build on that, and we all just thought, yeah, like, yeah, you could send them music. You could, you know, yeah. We're like, that Eddie, that doesn't sound like a great idea. It seems like, how do you do that? And Ten years later, here we are asking people to sign up for our Patreon and give us two dollars a month for a podcast. One ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> very ahead of his time. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I we kind of we jumped the gun on that because. Uh, well, we didn't give you the chance to say I told you so. We we owned up right away because even I think our dad, like you mentioned it to our dad, and like my dad's like, Eddie, that's a fucking stupid idea. No I, one's gonna ever do that. I specifically yeah. remember him. Yeah, like okay, he's like okay, okay, Eddie, go you go try that. Slightly <laughs> kooky. Yeah. <laughs> then now it's the it's it's the entire model of all independent content creators. You know, Eddie is the founder just... and billionaire mogul. Yeah founder of patreon <laughs> there's so many ideas probably like that that I, I remember another idea that i had was when i used to drive around and, and do my little touring which probably started in like the late 90s um i'd be driving down the highway and i'd think god there's just so much stuff probably just off the highway that there should be like a sign of all the stuff that i could like read you know now of yeah. course you know you look at your phone and you just see it yeah all, yeah <laughs> I, I, I was like how do we yeah, you no. need that because you touring in, in a van in those days, you yeah. know, the smartphones were not as common and it's they certainly didn't have all the apps that like now there's apps that literally give you a list of what's on each, each exit. So if you're driving, you know, mm-hmm. eight hours and you're especially if you're solo, you can't like, you know, pull over constantly to see what's going on. You need I need gas or I need this or I need that. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So, I mean, going back to the map, I mean, I'll tell you what reading maps. I mean, invent a time machine. Whoa! <laughs> go 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 back and and we'll, I'll meet you now. That's my with, next with, idea. Yeah, ten billion dollars. <laughs> I remember uh, when I first met Eddie. I think we came to watch you were playing at uh, was Stone Creek at the or hotel. Okay, oh, ca- yeah, Cave. Cave yeah, no, no, no. no it, was, it was it was Stone Creek. Just right, at, at right. a That's right. kind of a hotel lobby gig. Right. And I just remember thinking. Like in addition to the music and the singing being great, but your banter was something. I was like, dude, we should really learn from this guy because your interaction with the crowd was just awesome. You know, you really, you know, it was a hotel gig. Like it was not, yeah, probably not your favorite gig you've ever done, and uh, just managed to turn that into a really freaking enjoyable, yeah, like experience. You know, yeah, the hotel. I mean, the thing I remember mostly about the hotel is. I remember specifically talking to Jesse about how like over it I was and how like, you know, nobody's listening and the TVs and, you know, people cheering at the same time as the, uh, you know, the the sporting event and stuff like that. And and I look back to that and just think, God, I was so, I was never satisfied. You know, it's like, I think I made like, I don't know, six or 700 bucks a week for nine hours of work, like a mile from my house. You know, and did whatever I want all day, and I was yeah. bitching the whole time. Living the yeah, living the dream. It's <laughs> that is a perpetual problem of not being content and happy where you are. Yeah, and looking back at it and realizing, oh, it got worse, or you know, I should have taken uh, more advantage of that. Mm-hmm. We played a gig the other night where in uh, Asbury Park they had a television on, playing a uh, hockey game. Oh boy! And mm. I saw an ad for a Foo Fighters concert coming up, and it's just like you know stadiums packed things and we're playing there to you know like two three hundred people and it's yeah. just like ah oh, that's kind of depressing to see that ad right now from stage Damn. yeah that hurts <laughs> i think it's the nature of anything of not to get philosophical but anything that's kind of based in desire you know if you desire success or fame or whatever 
that's uh, like a bottomless pit. You know, you doesn't matter where you get on that scale. I think it's how you end up with the psychos that we have, you know, in fucking high places yeah. is that it doesn't matter what you achieve that it, that hole deepens, you know, the more you get, the more that hole. Isn't deepens. There, there's something called, there's a starving Buddha or something. There's, it's some, I think it's a Buddhist concept of like the, they're kind of like tortured souls, demons, things. And it's just these people that are perpetually hungry. They eat and there's a, a stomach that is never filled. And yeah. it, it's a kind of analogy for how most of us spend our lives, you know, with everything, just never satisfied because we think it's the thing that we're, consuming that will bring the satisfaction and it's not mm. life's a journey you know it's about the journey <laughs> we can make money with this <laughs> i am never questioning a business idea you have ever again well i'll tell you what we'll we'll uh we'll we'll write the uh We'll write the copy together, use your voice, and this will change from Congo's tour to the secret part two with Eddie Elliott. And Let's do it. I, if, it's, if it pays more, I'm fucking out. And I'm in. I'm out of Congo's in. Mm. Well, you guys talked about you know, me and, and just some, some memories. I mean, one thing that always stands out, I mean, I thought about it driving up here, uh, is how I expressed how I felt about your music by saying that it, was the rooms were too small you know and i think that was i was pretty much a genius then too <laughs> um with that assessment no no it, it, but it, it's like listen to your stuff or sitting in the hot seat you know in your studio and hearing and the feeling of it i mean haven't heard a lot of stuff it, it really I, I wasn't pulling your leg when i said that and, and you know it, it came true in a way yeah, we. You, I think you remember you saying, "I, I, I need to see this on a big stage. I need yeah. to, you know, I need to see it in a theater or arena or something like that." Yeah. And, and mm. we were obviously were flattered by that. But having kind of played now almost every size venue that there is, you know, there there is something to the sound of mu- of the music, the harmony and the melody about whether it's suited to a big or a small venue. We definitely have ways to adapt it. You know, mm. we can play all our songs on a big stage or on a small stage but what do you think is the best of, in, in all your uh, experiences then um, oh stadiums yeah stadiums and <laughs> the, the private jets and the um, no I I think uh, like 2000 is kind of an ideal size you get all the ego stroking of it being a massive crowd but still able to like a stadium performance when you see a, an actual stadium band like yeah. Foo Fighters or something it turns a lot more into there's a lot more theatrics involved and everything has to be overplayed mm. overperformed and you know it, it it I think takes away from the music sometimes there are certain bands that, that they're perfectly suited to that like ACDC is mm. belongs only in a, not only in a stadium but they're just so perfect in a stadium whereas I feel like we need a little more intimacy to really play as like we would like to musically it's much more satisfying on a small stage because when we're close together and we can see each other sense each other i can hear danny's amp instead of like being 10 feet away from him and just hearing it through my ears you know Mm -hmm. then we we lock up musically and and that's more satisfying but financially (laughs) right right yeah so you when when we first approached eddie I don't even. Why did we think Eddie for the for doing Buscal? Other than we knew we knew he had a great voice for I, it, but it was also I think maybe I thought of it because we. This is when we had we'd come off a really long run of touring, and we had a bunch of footage, and we had had Logan come out with us and shoot 
and uh, we had been brainstorming the the sort of okay, what is the the arc of the series? What story are we telling? You know, how does the timeline flow and all that? And looking through the footage. I was trying to envisage how do we tell this story? Are we going to have a bunch of you know titles come up, or are we going to use text? Uh, and we needed this third element to push the story forward because sometimes it just wasn't in the footage. You know, the dialogue between us and Mo or whatever, or Jason and Mick, it didn't convey the story because mm. uh, we just didn't have it. So we we needed narration, and and almost immediately I thought, oh fuck, Eddie could do this, you know. Um, it's also, I think, you know, not just the voice; it's the your understanding. Like you've you've done yes. the road. I mean, a lot, a lot on the road. So you have you have a deep understanding of it and, and knew what we were going through. Yes, and could communicate that. I mean, talk a little bit. You you did. I remember you used to do a lot of like solo tours. It was you in a van, right, yeah. with nobody. I did a lot of that, and then I did some with my brother, and um, oh, that's right. a lot with my with Jeremiah, if you remember him. Yeah, and then a couple band tours. Um, but, you know, it just came a lot down to dollars and survival. Yeah. So I did a lot by myself and just to try to maximize. What was that like? I mean, that's a, we, you talk about the loneliness of the road when we're out here. Well, yeah. There's 12 of us and we have a good time. It's, a, it's actually more, in some ways, it's not lonely at all. But you're out there. If, when you did those ones by yeah. yourself, did you find a lot of songs there or did you just find frustration or did you enjoy it? I, you know, I think I enjoyed it. I, I, I think... A lot of it all began with me with desire to explore, desire to see the world kind of mm -hmm. thing, you know, or at least America, you know, at that time. Just, so I remember my first tour, I set it up where I wanted to go, you know, <laughs> and just tried to make some money along the way. And that was with a friend. So I wasn't slightly, I wasn't by myself. I feel like I'd always land somewhere where I knew people and we'd have fun yeah. and I'd spend three days with them. And so I never really felt lonely out there and tell you the truth and you probably relate to this too after the shows or after the time together you're ready to get away and just kind of like yeah isolate and mm -hmm. just be you know do your own thing yeah because uh especially um those kinds of shows you know where you're your part of your business model is also the schmoozing afterwards, you know, and selling CDs and yes. and interacting with the people who come to see you. So you create a, you want, you make them want to come back, you know, and you're very, very good at that. Like you said, your banter, you know, beyond your music, there's all these aspects to it that you, I feel like we even, we even said, okay, look what Eddie's doing. We, we actually could need to learn something from him, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, that's, you're singing what two yeah. hours a night sometimes three hours maybe even oh my on a God. long one. Oh, so I mean, generally it was like three hour gigs at a bar, and then you'd start getting into like the house concert thing, and that mm. that became ninety minute, or you start getting into the more of the. Seem like the higher up you go, the, the, the shorter the show is. Yeah, <laughs> you know? you're like, yeah, this is, wow, this is cool. You but, know? but someone needs to tell Bruce Springsteen that he's still <laughs> doing know, like right? four hour sets. Truth. <laughs> But singing, singing that long and then chatting, it fucking fucks your voice. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, we're having that issue right now with a bunch of people on the bus. I got sick. Dylan yep. got sick. Um, you know, it, it, 
you just you don't really understand it until you're trying to fucking push notes out on stage and mm. you can just feel it like letting you're letting everything down you know because of something as simple as your voice something that's like uh, a, an organ that needs to be cared for yes i mean uh, i don't think i ever missed a show because of it but i had a lot where i couldn't really feel the joy it was more like i'm really just grinding this out and and getting by with it and it was just i think it hurt it, it never hurt i think emotionally it kind of hurt yeah because it was like i couldn't be free and, and yeah. do, do what i'm doing it's you know? your it's your biggest tool of communication it really yeah. it really was you have a song called is it called this is our year or no is i'm that- hoping you guys will alter it and make it a hit but Yes. Well, no. I always liked that song because I also always like thought like, yeah, this is this is the year where all this work we've been doing, yeah, is gonna pay off. It's this yeah. kind of very inspirational, like uplifting song of Eddie's called. It's called "This Is this Your is our, this, this Is Our, our year. year." Yeah. And I just remember hearing that like in 2007, where we were playing to four like, people, yeah. thinking like, "This is gonna be it, guys." And then 2008, <laughs> this is the this is where Eddie's song becomes prophetic, and. Uh, yeah took a good seven years for that song to finally uh fulfill its destiny <laughs> for you guys yeah 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 well seven year cycle is is perpetual throughout the universe you know there's a reason that we have seven days in a week um i'm getting new age on you here hey, but i think whoa. it's i think it's my number seven if you want to go seven on me at the casino trust and openness oh. <laughs> <laughs> my life number oh, okay yeah what is that is that a thing it's it's kind of a numer- numerology kind huh. of thing uh but i have found it to be accurate i must i must lucky, tell you. lucky number seven yeah. yeah well maybe we can get deep on that in a moment and in you the know. deep the deep thought section you know. the deep thought section <laughs> are any are any of your kids uh playing music now you've got uh th- seven boys now <laughs> <laughs> no there's three um jack has mentioned he's interested in violin uh, but we haven't gone there yet. We ha- we actually haven't jumped into music yet. Um, but I do feel like it's on the edge, like there, it's about to happen. So Noah, the youngest, he loves to sing, has a really actually really nice voice and can hit hit the notes. Um, long fingers. So we're thinking about <laughs> piano for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Violin can be rough because not- I mean, it's, <clears throat> if he if he shows interest, that's awesome. I would totally encourage that. But when you go to a like a school where they're teaching kids, there's a good four years of the most horrific sounds ever. Because okay. violin is just impossible for, for the longest time. It's just squealing dead cats. And Jack, he's the kind of kid that, like, you go out, let's go try golf, Jack. And he hits one bad shot, and he's like, I hate this. I'm done. So <laughs> if I'm, uh, that's why we're reluctant to really get him going. <laughs> yeah, we bought you a Stradivarius. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> Son, we've made an investment based on your whimsical thought. <laughs> <laughs> so you moved from Arizona out to uh, Wilmington, South Carolina. Uh, uh, North, North Carolina, yeah. sorry. Uh, how long ago was that? It was just about seven and a half years ago. And um, did you have family out there or it was a move for, for my a job? S- yeah, my sister was there was there, and still is. She was going to UNCW, University of North Carolina, Wilmington. And... Um, at the time, it was kind of like we needed to shake our life up a little bit mm-hmm. and also <clears throat> thought about getting closer to family, my family being if, you know, a few hours up the road and her family's from Vermont. 
which in your mind you think, oh, we'll be on the East Coast. We'll see people all the time, but you, you still don't see them. You know, yeah. it's just like, so that, I don't know. But, but it's, it's by the beach. It's a beach town, and we've uh, you know, we've enjoyed it. Do you miss the desert? Yes, I really do. Um, something about the air, the smells, mm. the rain, the flowers and colors, and you know, the, and the mountains all around. You know, are we talking about? The Los Angeles or <laughs> the emotional desert or the soul desert? <laughs> exactly. I remember when I lived in LA, I'll never forget this. Uh, just like, and they might still put them up, but like on the poles, like when you're walking around, there was like this like scary looking face and it said, you are in hell. <laughs> Seriously. I don't, some artists must've gone around and like plastered the city. You know? I haven't seen that specific <laughs> one, but I, there's still people doing similar kind of little art pieces on as posters, you know, like really? call this number to find yourself. You know, it's just an empty number or like that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. yeah. Would you, yeah. Okay. I mean, who would have thought hell High was, five. hell was uh, sunny in 72. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think LA is fine. LA is cool. I, I had a good time. Man. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's an incredible city it, it, it's full of fucking it, it's a desperate city you know and yeah. you feel that i've been there and <laughs> where did, when did you where and where where and when did you live there i lived there from 95 to 2000 <clears throat> and um when i first got there i lived at sunset and la brea oh wow um at kind of a divey apartment 600 bucks a month two bedroom which was amazing yeah i was like wow you know with my buddy we were just literally Literally, I had enough to get in there, and I remember, true story, going down to, like, 7-Eleven or some store, you know, got a chili dog and putting, like, as many toppings on as possible so I could fill up. And I don't – I didn't – we had nothing. It was just, like, we just went out on a prayer, you know, and yeah. getting the got a job and, you know, yeah. doing that. but. Eventually moved up to one of my favorite places. Very cool spot. Um, it was Fairfax and like La Cienega is the uh, Chalet Gourmet still there? Was I like don't kind know. Of a gourmet grocery store and oh, I think I know where you're talking. <clears throat> well, just up at the foot of the hills, there was a hotel called the Regency Hotel. It tra- transformed into a um, it's near apartment sh- complex near Chateau Marmont, huh? Um, because it might have been a little bit down and then up, up on Hollywood Boulevard. Sorry. Oh, okay. So it was on Hollywood. It was so cool. I mean, it, they transformed it from a beat up hotel to apartments, and all these music people, artists, actors, everybody lived there. And in the middle was a pool, so people would be coming and sharing their stories and playing music, and it was really, really cool. Apparently the place I stayed at, James Kahn, uh, the actor, yeah, yeah. used to like I guess rent out my, pl- you know, apartment oh, when it was awesome. a hotel on a regular basis, you know. But they tore it down now. I think there's like shops or some shit back there. Yeah, yeah it's it, <clears throat> L.A. has got such a bad reputation. I mean, for good reason. It, it, everything they say about it is true. It's full of, you know. Pimps, prostitutes. In, in you know, I'm not talking about actual pimps and prostitutes. I'm talking about yeah. music business or film yeah. business people. But there is that. You know, you are surrounded by hundreds and thousands of people that are trying to do interesting things. So you do mm-hmm. bump into and live a kind of interesting life if you're there to look for it and not just try to socially climb or mm-hmm. you know just be a self-serving business head. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I felt really inspired when I first got there, going to open mics and dirt poets, and I mean I was. 
astounded by the creativity and the quality of the creativity, at least what I perceived. And how old were you? When I was twenty five. Okay, so twenty five to thirty, which is a great kind of yeah. era of your life to sort of be doing that. And that's when the Sunset Strip was still kind of it was still happening, or had it kind I of taken it a downturn? I think it was kind of happening, but uh, what? Not your, not your senior. Yeah, it probably wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I remember uh, what was the place? Gosh darn. Um, you weren't hanging out at the Viper Room every night? No, it was, um, oh, man, there was a place in this little, like, it was by a liquor store. Um, these This band called the Blue Hawaiians used to play there, and it was the coolest. I think Quentin Tarantino, I mean, stars, you'd all just, you know, be rubbing shoulders with everybody, and yeah. there'd be this surf music and everybody dancing. Oh, my God, that's going to drive me crazy. But anyway, I don't know if it's still there, but uh, <laughs> yeah. so much so cool yeah really neat i mean i you know we've been living there a few years now i i still like it it's it's where if you can fucking make it through if you can pay your bills and you're not just and you're not in that desperate pit of desire you know to just be somebody Mm -hmm. then it's an amazing place to live but i you see you see it all the time everyone everyone it sucks you in like every major hub it sucks you into whatever its vibration is Mm. And I think it's why you do see particular, like that signs you were saying you're seeing on the polls, this is hell. For You do see people who are living in hell there. Like obviously there's a huge homeless mm-hmm. population where people are just living completely destitute, you know, tragic lives. But in addition to just the regular poverty, it's like that mixed with the desperate struggle for fame and success, which is such a, a kind of vapid yes. pursuit those two things mixed together do lead to just seeing people that are really suffering, like psychologically suffering because of of crushed dreams that Mm -hmm. were probably not necessarily the right pursuit to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when they get crushed, it falls hard. And what I found was everybody, you know, 90% of the people that I hung with had that kind of dream. They're always like one audition away from... yeah. Making it, and I always felt like, you know, I'm one show away from being discovered, you know, and it was like, when I moved to Arizona, it really helped me a lot. I needed the grounding. I was, I'm a kind of an air person, I would say, you know, air and earth probably, but the air, you know, you can just get caught up in this, you know, thing and everybody's doing that and it just felt nice to come back and meet people that are like working nine to five and, and yeah. you're like oh you you write songs that's incredible <laughs> did you ever try and do any acting or was it just music that you were yeah doing? i tried uh when i got there i had both in mind mm-hmm. as a matter of fact i went for acting and i happened to have my guitar huh. and um i started uh acting classes uh, simultaneously started a open mic down there and i was like walking the streets handing out flyers and that that was kind of taken off i got a commercial agent i was in like a um sketch comedy group okay claim to fame i think i told you that sean hayes he was in he was in the group oh it was yeah called malcontents from uh from will and grace, will and grace yeah. Yeah. yeah that's he was always like you know pretty much head over heels funnier than everybody else you know <laughs> you kind of knew you know i was like god sean he's funny as shit man yeah <laughs> that is that it it should be required, I think, for every actor or anyone pursuing anything in, in entertainment to go spend a week in L.A., be forced to go out to clubs or go go to UCB, go to some of the improv groups. And if you come away from that still thinking, I should be doing this, then you know, fine, carry on. Yep. But for some people, it would be a real reality check to just go, 
oh shit, there this are is, a thousand bands that are mm. way better than me, and we should quit. I felt that so much. Sorry, Jesse, in Nashville. Oh, and yeah. I think I heard you guys discuss Nashville in some of your podcasts or refer to it. Wow. I mean, that was, I would show up and have these, like, you know, I'm part of a bill. And then we'd be like, oh, we're going to go over to this bar and uh, there's an open mic, a guy over there. And the guy running the open mic would just be like, oh, I think I'll play one. It's like every single song was a hit. You know, yeah. every single song was a country hit that sounded five times better than everything I felt like I'd ever written, you know, polished. And, and it was just like, fuck, you'd come out of there like, yeah. <laughs> ooh, darn, I guess I got to keep just finding my crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. good. It's good, though, that feeling, you know. To, yeah. it's, Reality, you, it's yeah. better to be surrounded by that than thinking that everything you're doing is golden and yeah. you know like you can become a big fish in a small pond in a little city and think wow mm -hmm. I'm the shit and realize that all those big fish moved to you know a big sea and were eaten <laughs> I'm with you I'm true um, just back to the bus call stuff uh, uh, a little bit I, I, I'll explain a little bit how we we did it we we were cutting the show ourselves with Logan and um, his wife Sarah and some other assistant editors but basically all day long we're looking at footage trying to put the story together and so we would kind of see oh here here's a spot that needs voiceover we would do a little scratch recording and then for the most part we would send you a rough cut of the episode and and like a script and um then there are some instances where we just sent you the script because we hadn't finished editing it and you had to kind of guess the feel or the emotion of everything and uh, I was wondering if you had any sort of funny thoughts or any instances where you, you, you got the script and then you went and saw the footage and you're like, oh, shit, this is, this is not how I pictured it. Not really. I mean, I feel like I know you guys pretty, pretty well, even though we haven't spent a ton of time together in the last eight years. Um, and I just could just – I felt – a part of it in a way and kind of like you were saying about the understanding. So I guess it just sort of felt very natural just to kind of, you know, put it out there. Yeah. Well, it's I, what I liked was, was we were watching the episodes with our voiceover. It'd be like one of us or Dylan or somebody or, yeah. and, and, uh, it just, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. You hear your own voice, and then you hear, you know, you hear you hear us talking, and then we get it back. We'd get Eddie's voiceovers back. We're like, oh, this feels like a real fucking TV show all nice, of a sudden. Nice. You know? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, for me, like I think I might have told you back at the time, you know, it was, uh, it just felt good to just be a part of the creation, part of something that you know. Especially with you guys, if it was Joe Joe's band, eh, it would have been kind of cool too, but not as much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you've taken the time to watch our documentary series, Bus Call. But if you haven't, you really should. It's the best thing we've ever done. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> best ever. Um, uh, Danny, come on. We're in the back. This is we're recording the front lounge and the back lounge and. Oh, Everybody's coming in and out to get their shit because we just got the bus back last night. <laughs> Eddie, you're leaning on my dirty laundry. Whoa. This is a bus life. <laughs> did you ever do a bus tour? We were on buses? I never did. Um, like I said, the, probably the biggest thing I ever did was having my van. That was a huge, huge step. Did you but sleep in it? You, did you kit it out? And Were you sleeping in it every now and were you just doing hotels every when night? When I was by myself, I would sleep in it a lot. Yeah. I didn't. 
kid it out. <laughs> yeah. Just put a, put, put a blanket back there. Do you still, I guess with kids it would be different. Like if I had oh. kids, you'd want to go and kind of tour and see the country again because it's a new experience to show your kids. But that would be did cool. you find that you got your fill of seeing the world and you just wanted to actually just get off the road to settle down with the amount of touring? I would say yes. Uh, Jesse and I were kind of talking about it. I didn't, I just, I concept busyness and task, task, task doesn't allow for creative time. Right. So I couldn't write. I, I just had no kind of wandering, you know, time to daydream, space, yeah. daydream and think about whatever be at a coffee shop which i'd done for so long yeah and then when the kids came along i'm not blaming them at all it was all <laughs> part of the progression but uh we just you know the song stopped and then all of a sudden you're playing the same stuff and to the same people and it just got kind of monotonous you know Okay. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that's an, uh, interesting. I, what I meant actually more is just even okay. the idea of just traveling. Traveling. Like, did the, did yeah. you get the travel bug out for a while of your system? Just I, seeing I, that because sometimes we do. Like when we go on a long tour, the thought of you know people like, oh man, I can't wait to go see Europe, and I just want I don't want to go anywhere. Just yeah. want to sit at home. I don't think I got the travel bug out. I mean, I still wish to travel and everything. Um, on my on the last tour. 2014 ended up getting up to uh, North Dakota. It was like the last state in mm-hmm. in the lower 48 of experiencing, you know, so we specifically went up and hung out there. That felt like kind of a milestone. I still have not been to Hawaii, Alaska. There's places outside I'd love to go. Yeah. Um, I would say the answer is no. I definitely want to, as, as a musician, you know, that's probably not going to happen, but just as a, as a person. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> you can be both of those. <laughs> I'm struggling with one of them or both of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd love to. Uh, Japan's on my list. Oh yeah, um, big time. Just the culture. I'd love to go experience that. Yeah, Mick had told us our tour, tour manager, production manager, he was out with a band called Jets. You know, they had massive hit in the oh, yeah, 2000s, yeah. and uh, they played Fuji Rock Festival. I think we may have told this on the podcast before, but I'll just tell you briefly. Yeah. He says the attention to detail at these festivals of the local crew was mind-boggling. He, someone was smoking a cigarette on the crew. They're playing. It was like a two-day festival in different locations. They had an ashtray set on top of one of the amplifiers. He smokes a cigarette, puts it out there. They arrive at the next venue. The ashtray and cigarette are placed exactly where it was on the amplifiers the day before. Like they just they think, oh well, this is how this wow. American crew wants to. Set up their stage. We'll measure it, put it back, and wow. place it perfectly. That's incredible. It's just crazy to see the different thing. And then the venue we played uh, a couple nights ago in uh, Philly, where I don't think they had cleaned the place in thirty years. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that was a f- that it. That's the, the air quality is one of the things that just fucks you on, in this life, you know, because you're on the bus. It's recycled air, you know. There's vents in the bunks that you know to keep the air moving, but still everything just dries out. And then you go into these venues where it's it smells like what it is: thirty yes. years of fucking people sweating, and, drinking, yeah. and vomiting, and whatever there else. You know, it's like yeah. you go down into that, and you're just breathing in thirty years of fucking shit. And it, <laughs> um, if you ha- we had to make an edit in the podcast there because Danny lost his in ear monitors. 
Yeah, and he was looking for them here in the back lounge. Real exciting stuff, but he found them. Everything's okay. <laughs> so um, I can't remember what we were talking about. It was something oh, just important. Air, air quality in the bus. Oh yeah, yeah. Those the that's the one thing I'm growing that I do not like about touring. I've and I'm kind of over is just shitty venues, shitty toilets, shitty showers, and all that. Like I'm, I don't need to be in a five star hotel or anything. Yeah. Just a decent four, yeah, <laughs> and a half. <laughs> yeah, that kind of gets old on the road. And we were so nice when our bus showed up. We're, okay. If you're listening to this, it's probably like three weeks ago, but we're recording these all the day after we got our bus back. And uh, what a relief to be back I, on the bus. I've got a little memory. Um, I think it was 2007. We we had just finished our very first album, and we were going to start playing some shows to try and promote it. And we had booked our first ever LA show at the Viper Room. Yes. And we also magically got an offer to play something at the uh, Sedona Film Festival. And uh, we, I think we needed an opener or something, so we asked if you wanted to come up, and we all we all drove up to Sedona and did that gig there. And that was the very first time we'd ever been in in that sprinter van that we had and so you you were in our you were on our first ever sprinter gig did i play at the viper room no i don't think you did not on that one okay um but yeah we drove up to sedona yeah and then you know these two older um sort of hippie-ish looking people came up and started chatting with us and we became friends with them and it turns out there so they invited their son to the viper room show who happened to be johnny marlowe who became our tour photographer and uh, he also was one of the cameramen on Bus Call. So mm. that, in retrospect, it's weird to look at a bunch of unrelated events and then you start to kind of pull this thread of a story out, you know? Yes. And that's kind of what we did with Bus Call is we were like, oh, a bunch of random shit happened. Um, but, oh, I see a storyline, you know? Mm-hmm. And to look at your life in that way, in retrospect, is kind of a, it's mind-blowing. You see how, why storytelling is so important to our or species, you know, it's because otherwise it's literally just a random bunch of shit happening yeah. to a random group of people in eternity. You know, mm-hmm. how, how do you make sense of that? Without? And it's not over yet. I mean, we, we still don't, what we, we might think the value in our relation has maxed out or maybe it's, we don't, you know might think that Eddie, I still, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where it is. I mean, in 20 years from now, we might, really be able to put the dots together you know i think that's something in in getting older you know i'm not you know a relic or anything but just a little bit of aging you know you, there are more dots and then more understanding mm. and connection as to the reasoning of why you know yeah also you try to live your life so that it doesn't get cut down as much as something i've learned from watching from editing our life in retrospect cut down what i mean is we had whatever a hundred terabytes of footage, thousands and thousands of hours of footage mm. that we cut down to three hours because everything else in it was really boring, mm. and and or repetitive and annoying. So you try and think like, well, what if I lived a more interesting, better life, and I didn't have if in retrospect I didn't oh. think ninety five percent of it was useless. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably tough to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like if I handed you a hard drive of your life, how much of it would you would you fast forward through? <laughs> if uh, yeah, especially if you're looking at somebody else's life, you'd be brutally <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're a little more disconnected. Like oh yeah, I don't give a shit. I just you know show me the highlight reel and fuck off. <laughs> yeah, 
Anyway, we, we're unfortunately going to wrap this one um, up early. We have to go do a sound check and get to doing VIP and all that. But it was great to see you after just listening to your voice and editing it up. Uh, and glad you came up to the show tonight, no, Eddie. And, I'm yeah. really looking forward to hearing you. Yeah, what, we'll make sure you... We'll gather some photos and stuff, but we'll put your links on the website as well. Cool. Yeah, uh, Eddie's music is... <clears throat> In particular, I mean, he's an amazing songwriter, but his voice carries something special. I think it's one of the reasons we asked him to do the voiceover, but in his music as well, it's special. So check out Eddie Elliott with two T's on Elliott. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you next week. We're going to hopefully the next two podcasts, we'll do a track by track of the first part of 1929, uh, just kind of discussing each of the 10 songs on that. And then we're going to try and get the fitness guys on for one last one before we finish up this tour. And as always, if you would like to get rid of the annoying ads that you're hearing, head to patreon.com slash congress and you can help support this podcast and keep Colton's cracker habit going. It's $2 a month, gets you the ad-free version, plus uh, every now and then throw up a bunch of exclusive photos and behind-the-scenes videos and stuff. Thanks, guys. See you next time.